Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Sports Virus Podcast, everybody. I'm Joe Castellano. We're brought to you by Kane's Tire in San Rafael, California, where they have had the lowest prices in Marin County for over 60 years. Well, today's guest is Mark Purdy, the longtime columnist at the San Jose Mercury News. Plenty to talk to him about with uh, the way things are going with the Giants, the A's. Of course, the San Jose Sharks have a new general manager. We'll tell you about him, and we're going to talk about USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten. All with Mark Purdy. Here's the conversation that we had on Tuesday morning. Well, Mark, I would say happy 4th of July, but, you know, it really wasn't a happy 4th of July after the shooting in Highland Park, Illinois. I mean, it just kind of put a damper on everything, uh, whether it be sports or just, uh, you know, the 4th of July. How are you doing, Mark? Thanks a lot for joining us. Uh, well, I think like most other, like every American is sad about that. <laughs> that. that it's, oh, man, you know, it just... It did put a damper on my Fourth of July. Just thinking about the country and uh, where we are with with all that stuff, I continue to be optimistic that uh, the forces of good will prevail over the forces of evil. Um, but uh, man, it's tough. I, I hope that I hope that the politicians and and citizens can figure out a way through this. Um, you know, sports has always been a way to uh, help us. Uh, get to you know on, on a couple levels. I don't mean to get too deep, but it's you know everybody says well it's a great distraction. Well, yeah, it is, but it also allows people of different uh, backgrounds to to be together both on the field and off, and find just some way to talk to each other. And um, I'm hoping that you know sports can play that role as uh, as we move ahead. But uh, you know we. Uh, this is this is not a new thing, and um, I suppose that they were talking about it after the Civil War, right? That uh, uh, you know, uh, growing up in Ohio, you were made well aware of the fact that the Cincinnati Reds were the first professional baseball team in the 1860s, and uh, there was talk like after the Civil War, it allowed uh, <laughs> people from the South and North to at least come together and talk about something other than that. And uh, could could watch a baseball game together and play baseball together. So I don't know. Is that too deep? I don't mean to be too deep, but it, it sports always has has done that. I know it's helped me make friends of different from different cultures, um, covering fourteen Olympics and and also interviewing people uh, from all over the world. Yeah. So I don't think that's probably where you, where I thought we'd be going. With this, <laughs> but but uh, you know, God, no, but. God, God bless us all, and I hope I hope sports can help in that regard. It brings up an interesting point about what Steve Kerr has done as the head coach of the Warriors. He's kind of used his platform to uh, you know get out a message, trying to figure out something here with the, the gun violence. Um, you know, now he doesn't have that platform at this moment because the Warriors are done; they won their championship. But uh, you know, I wonder what do you think about uh, you know a sports figure trying to use his platform a little bit? Oh, I I think that's always been appropriate i i don't i never uh wow joe you know back in college and i'm an old guy i just turned 70 back in college um i remember um, a group of us put together uh uh my my daughter and i have this ongoing discussion about whether it was crazier in the 60s when i grew up or was it's crazier now 
and it was pretty crazy in the 60s with the assassinations and the civil rights uh, riots and uh, unrest and uh, <clears throat> the, uh, you know, the, the violence at the Democratic Convention in 1968 and uh, um, students getting shot at Kent State. I mean, it was pretty crazy. And that was my, those were my high school years. And, uh, uh, you know, we figured out a way to get through that and um get to i think a better place for a while and now so now uh and and back then i knew i knew where i was going with that in college uh, i remember we put together a, a student organized seminar about sports and society and um had uh, speakers like uh this guy named jack scott out of uh, oberlin college and and of course that was the time in the media wake after uh, tommy smith and john carlos who uh, uh were uh, you know, did the black fist salute, black glove fist salute at the Olympics in '68, and uh, and there were a lot of athletes that were speaking up then, and uh, I think that was good then. I think it's good now. It's interesting that it's always been interesting to me. Not many people talked about this when Colin Kaepernick was doing his protest and then not able to get a job in the NFL. Tommy Smith, after his Olympic glove protest, Joe, in '68. The NFL hired him. He, he, the Cincinnati Bengals <laughs> signed him, and he played wide receiver for them for a couple of years. He wasn't. He was faster than. He had better feet than he did hands. I didn't remember that. Did, yeah. Was, yeah, yeah. You know, and that was Paul Brown, who was. Uh, all, all respect. I mean, I got to know him a little bit because I worked in Cincinnati for a while. Uh, pretty conservative guy, but you know, he he thought that Smith had a right to protest and signed him to play for the Cincinnati Bengals, and he did play for the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, so I, it's it's kind of nutty to me that that you know Kaepernick couldn't get work after his social protest, but Tommy Smith, who did one of, had one of the most famous and controversial sports protests of the of twentieth century, was able to play in the NFL. So uh, this is a this is a situation that's gone back you know a long ways, and uh, and is I think it's good. I think as long as it's responsible dialogue and uh, peaceful protest. I think I think it's fine for athletes to express their wishes. Yeah, and head coaches. I mean, and managers. Uh, Gabe Kapler and managers. Been, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Gabe Kapler's been an outspoken guy. By the way, his team is in trouble right now. They are not playing well. I don't know if you've been watching lately, but I mean, the defense has really been terrible, and that kind of bleeds into everything. If you're not playing well defensively, uh, you know, I think it, it, you can't make up for when you're not hitting. You know, if you have decent pitching, the defense is kind of spoiling it. I think that just kind of ruins everything when you're not playing well defensively. What do you think? Well, you know, uh, the pitcher Radon had a quote um, that I saw uh, today, I think it was after yesterday's game. Um, and uh, I, think, I think it was, I think it was, yeah, it was Carlos Radon said, I think something you said, we're playing really bad baseball. <laughs> yeah, they really <laughs> you know? are. Yeah. And, and uh, that's, uh, you know, when when things were going good for the Giants last year, <clears throat> I remember saying to somebody, you know, what's everybody's talking about a lot of things, but, um, you know, it comes down to uh, you're playing baseball properly, right? You're making the right mental decisions. You're You're throwing the ball to the right base. You're making the right cutoff. You're you know, taking the right pitches and you're mentally into the game and, uh, not making these, uh, not making errors. And now, uh, I just, I, I, I see the highlights and I read the box scores. I haven't, I haven't watched pitch by pitch. I'll be honest. I'm a retired guy, but, uh, just looking at these highlights, it's, it's really sad, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to see 
No, really. I I I was looking at those guys in the eye. If I was still working, I'd say this is really sad the way you're playing baseball. You're not playing playing baseball properly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it goes back to uh, stuff you should have learned in little league in high school, right? Um, it's uh, it's really uh, it's tough to watch if you're a Giants fan, I suppose. And the A's, of course, aren't any better. Um, it, you know, you want, you want, I, I, I guess I wonder how that can happen. If that's, is it, is it, is it more mental than physical? I have to believe these guys, some of it, you know what, Joe, remember infield practice before games when they, they, yeah, they, take, they don't do that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you, no, they definitely don't do that anymore. Uh, you younger folks out there, it used to be before the game, um, going back into what, maybe the eighties. Uh, you know, the infield would go out there and they'd hit ground balls to him before the game and it was it was fun to watch. I remember, you know, the, when, when I was working in Cincinnati and they had those great teams in the 70s, the Big Red Machine, those guys would all take infield. Joe Morgan, Tony Perez, Dave Concepcion, and Pete Rose, they would take infield practice before the game, right? And it was fun to watch them throw the ball around and pick up. I'm wondering if the Giants should go back to that. <laughs> <laughs> they might have to. I mean, they definitely miss not having Brandon Crawford in there. That that's for sure. So uh, what? <laughs> so what? No, so what? You know, the guy who's you know, if you're a major leaguer, you should not overthrow the bag. You know, you should always go to the right bag, and you should, you know, you, I, I, you know, no, yeah, Brandon Crawford's good, and they miss him, but. This is just basic stuff. Yeah, it's kind of comical, uh, really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, comical and sad. Sad at the same time. So, yeah. So uh, no, really. I mean, I if you're paying if you're paying those good major league prices to watch major league baseball, you want to see major leaguers doing major league stuff. And uh, right now, uh, the Giants are not uh, fulfilling their end of the bargain. You mentioned the A's. Yeah, they've been struggling. But it's interesting to follow the story of whether or not they're staying in Oakland. I mean, the latest vote was favorable. But it seems like there are so many hurdles, Mark. Uh, you, do you think they'll stay? I mean, they got Las Vegas sort of waiting in the wings. How long do we have, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that it's incredible to me. So I retired in 2017. and um I, I had been writing about the A's ballpark saga for like 10 or 15 years before that. And we're Man. still there. Yeah. And, uh, um, yes, there are, there are a bunch of, there are a whole bunch of hurdles to go. Uh, the politics in Oakland, I'm not, I am, I'm not an Oakland resident. I'm not familiar deeply with Oakland politics, but I do know that there's a lot ahead in terms of being able of, of, of approving. This is not, just a ballpark project in Oakland. It's a $12 billion uh, redevelopment project on the waterfront of which the ballpark is one twelfth of the project. And so keep in mind when they're, when the city council and, uh, and then they did get this approval from the uh, Bay of commission, which was big, but now they've got to figure out how they're going to pay for all the infrastructure. And I know that they want um, some of this housing to be, uh, uh, you know, market rate or, or uh, what's the right word I want, and, you know, some of it for for uh, uh, less than market rate housing, affordable housing. Affordable, yeah. And, uh, and uh, so the A's don't, uh, don't want to do that because they want to be able to get more investors in this, uh, and they know they can get more investors if they don't have to build affordable housing, which 
brings down the cost of or brings down uh, the possible profits of that, right? So there's a lot going on here, and um, it would be a lot simpler if the A's had just decided to build at the Coliseum site, tear down what they have, and build a ballpark there. But John Fisher, the owner um, of the team, he's a real estate guy. You know, people are not familiar probably with you would be because you're a soccer guy, you know, with the Earthquake Stadium here in San Jose. Yeah. It is, it's kind of a, 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 a smaller version of what they want to do in uh, Oakland with the A's. So the, the Earthquake soccer team, also owned by John Fisher, uh, cut a deal with San Jose where uh, San Jose rezoned a big area a lot near the airport. And uh, uh, in turn, the Earthquakes promised they would build a stadium there, but they got this land rezoned. And also, actually, a piece of property in South San Jose got rezoned from uh, to residential, so they can make more money off that. And they and now, if you drive by the Earthquake Stadium, uh, by the airport in San Jose, and keep going down Coleman Road, there's huge development. You've been down here, probably seen oh, yeah. that, right? Huge yeah. development near it. It's called the Coleman Highline development. And John Fisher is making a lot of money off of developing all that property around the the stadium the earthquake stadium that he got approval for because he agreed to uh, pay and build for the earthquake stadium. So they kind of want to, they want to do the same thing in, in Oakland. It's complicated. They're more complicated because of the site railroad tracks nearby the port and uh, trucking industry and a Schnitzer steel company. I, I'm not, I, I'm not convinced they won't go to some sort of ballot measure there. And that's mm-hmm. going to be a whole other thing. Um, so, they they may get it done there, but they're going to the A's may get it done there, but they're going somebody's going to spend a whole lot more money and a whole lot more time, and I I hope I live to see it if they get it done. Why, um, why would they only build? Why would they only build a thirty five thousand seat ballpark too? I mean, wouldn't you want a bigger ballpark? Well, no, I don't think so because number one, um, you know, baseball is not as popular as it used to be. Number one, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, you, you know, the Giants probably don't need a, as big a stadium, as big a ballpark as they have right now, right? That many times have they filled that up this season? And that's going on all across baseball. Um, the, the revenue in baseball um, is the attendance has gone down, and, but revenue from online and broadcast and streaming and all that has gone up. So that's number one. Number two, if you have 35,000 seats to sell, then maybe you can sell more season tickets because people would be uh, wanting to guarantee a seat there for the Yankee series. And if you only, and if you only have thirty five thousand seats, only thirty five thousand people can come see the Yankees or the Red Sox. And uh, so you know it it it, in, it in encourages people to buy tickets in advance. I guess the yeah, hotter ticket, you know, smaller, right? Smaller. Yeah. And uh, and also uh, let's they they also where that location is. I mean I don't know. Where people are going to park? I don't know if you want you know if you had a forty five fifty thousand seat ballpark. Uh, I don't know where all the people would park, and and then you have to get. I still think the Baker's biggest problem with that site is they got the Union Pacific Railroad tracks running right alongside it, and they and so far I have not seen uh, any uh, plan to build a, a bridge over those tracks for the spectators or cars or. Uh, a tunnel under them, you know, they are expecting everybody to just go across the tracks with a regular crossing. And that's a busy, busy, you know, that's Union Pacific's main track through the Bay area. 
And, uh, you know, that, so I, you know, people get hit on those tracks right now. It runs through right there, you know? So when you all of a sudden you got 30,000 people going to, you know, that's, that's the only way you can get to the ballpark is go across those tracks unless you come by water. And, uh, you know, I I I don't know how they're going to handle that. So I don't think you want a whole lot of people crossing those tracks, and uh, you're going to have a number of people do it anyway. And the and the other uh, part is the hazards of. I think Union Pacific is probably going to figure a way to get this on the ballot because um, corporate wise, because uh, you know those tra- they're derailments, right? Oh yeah. Or, uh, also, you know, trains can get stalled. Well, what happens if a train is stalled and nobody can get to the game or away from the game? Uh, and, uh, you know, now, you know, people are, are pissed off at Union Pacific or, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how they, I don't know how they figure out to deal with, with that part of it. I, I think some, they're eventually they're going to have to build a bridge over the tracks or underneath, but who pays for that? Um, so, uh, you know the the, the 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 size of the ballpark is is right. I think if they get that thing done, when they were planning to build, don't get me started on this. When they as they should have let the A's move to San Jose, but when when they were building, they were planning to build a ballpark in downtown San Jose, it was only going to be like about thirty thousand to thirty two thousand people. Yeah, um, because uh, uh, Fisher and Lou Wolf at the time thought that that their their plan was they were going to have maybe 30,000 seats, but more suites and luxury boxes for the Silicon Valley crowd, right? And that they would end up with the same amount of revenue as if they had 40,000 seats, right? So, or 45,000 yep. seats. So uh, maybe that's also part of this, too. I have not seen in detail uh, plans about that, but Oakland's corporate market is a lot different than Silicon Valley or San Francisco. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure how that all figures in, but... Best of luck to him. I think, though, it's it's going to be a slog. It's going to be a slog, and I I can't see I can't see that getting figured out by the end of the year as they want to. The other part, the piece of it, is Las Vegas, and we don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it. But I still have not seen, and this is a product of, um, you know, there's not as many journalists anymore covering this stuff, right? I still have not seen a story on what really is real in Las Vegas and what is not. Right? Yeah. Does, does, Las, does Las Vegas really have something? I mean, we know they have property there that the A's are looking at, but uh, Nevada and Las Vegas spent a whole bunch of public money on the Raiders stadium. Uh, the hockey team there plays in a privately built arena on the Strip. The the Raiders stadium is near the Strip. If the A's don't, you know, two things. If the A's don't build near the Strip, and instead, one thing I've seen is they might. Um, build out near where their minor league team plays there in Summerlin, which is, if you know the geography, Joe, it's out northwest of downtown in the Strip, kind of far away from stuff. Is that really what baseball wants? And uh, so, and, and, you know, getting people out there and back. And then, two, if, um, you know, you, you know, <laughs> Why move to Las Vegas where you'd be in the same situation you were in here where you were the, you know, right now they got Oakland's full attention, right? In Las Vegas, they'd, they'd be behind the uh, the Raiders. And, you know, the hockey team's incredibly popular. They've had great success. And so you'd be the third team in, and there's talk of putting an NBA team in there. So 
half the or half of the Bay Area market is 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 bigger than the entire Las Vegas market, right? In terms of population, TV sets, uh, uh, you know, industry uh, businesses. Uh, so uh, I'd like to know exactly what they have in Las Vegas and how much of this is bluff and how much of it is real. Yeah, I mean, it, may, it seems to make sense to do everything you can to make it work in Oakland, for sure. Um, well, yes, and, and, but the question is, how, Joe, how do you define making it work in Oakland? You know, I, I think you make it work in Oakland by building at the Coliseum site. The A's, by the way, that would have been the best. Half, yeah, the, the A's, the A's own half that Coliseum site. They bought the county's half of that Coliseum site. So if they thought the Coliseum site was so crappy, why did they do that? Why did they buy know. that? <laughs> yeah, doesn't seem to make sense. I have questions. I have questions. <laughs> it's, uh, but don't. But I'm, I'm happy not working. So <laughs> I'll just continue to ask questions and have opinions on demand. We'll have more with former San Jose Mercury News columnist Mark Purdy right after this. When it's time for new tires, you want the lowest prices and the best service, don't you? Well, Kane's Tire in San Rafael has you covered on both. Kane's has the lowest prices in Marin County, and they provide the warm and welcoming service that you can only receive from a family-run business. Voted Best of Marin for 35 years in a row, Kane's prices beat Costco's prices every time. Kane's Tire, 1531 4th Street in San Rafael. Give him a call at 415 453-2942. That's 415-453-2942 for Kane's Tire. Let's switch gears and talk about your hometown San Jose Sharks. They fired their head coach, Bob Bugner, and the entire staff, and now they've moved on. And today, uh, as we sit here on Tuesday, they, they just named a new general manager, Mike Greer, the former yep. Sharks player. I always liked him as a player. He was gritty. Uh, and now he is the first black general manager in the NHL, which is awesome. And I think he's going to do a great job. He's going to bring some new energy to the team. What do you think? Well, the team definitely needs a, 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 an injection of energy and, and uh, freshness. Uh, Mike, uh, you're correct. Mike was a really tough player, but he was also a really smart guy. And I remember interviewing him numerous times while he was at, with the Sharks. And I could tell he was a smart guy. Uh, I, I, could, I knew of his family background. You, you may know his dad was uh, vice president of player personnel for the New England Patriots, and then I think another a Houston Houston NFL team. His brother is the general manager of Miami Dolphins. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I knew of his background, um, and I so I remember talking to him one day and said, "Would you?" Uh, here, the question I asked him, I said, "Is you know I could?" And he he was really good talking about hockey. And, and, you know, I just said, you know, I see you're a smart guy. Would you like to be a coach in the NHL one day? Thinking he might become the first black NHL coach, right? And he said, no, no, I just, I don't, I don't see me doing that. I just, you know, I'll probably just, when I retire, just go away with my family and enjoy myself. So it turns out I was asking the wrong question. <laughs> I, I, should, I should have asked, would you like to be a general manager of, the, of an exactly. NHL team one day? Right? And, uh so uh, he has done the work. Um, he, you know, has been an assistant coach, and he's worked for the New York Rangers in their personnel department. He has not been an assistant general manager, which is usually the path you take. But I think, uh, look, I'm sure he and his brother and his dad have talked about being how, how you manage to be a general manager of a professional franchise, and the NFL is certainly just as complicated and uh, and uh, intense 
uh, an executive environment as, as the National Hockey League. So I think that will do him in, in good stead. Uh, I hope that he brings in a whole new group of people. Uh, it's unclear to me, and I'm not at the press conference, so I don't know, but is he going to uh, just clean house? And, you know, right now the, the, the personnel, main personnel guy for the Sharks is the son of the former general manager, uh, Doug Wilson Jr., whose dad, Doug Wilson Sr., well, you know, was the general manager until uh, last year when his health issues uh, induced him to step down. But uh, and 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 the uh, you know the assistant general manager Joe Will, who has been with the franchise since day one, is he going to stay on, or or is Greer going to come in and you know wipe the slate clean, bring in a whole new group of people? He obviously has to hire a coach. Um, I think that was you could see that coming. I don't know why they waited so long to fire Bob Bugner, who they only fired last week. But, uh, uh, and Bugner, I thought, did an okay job. He had a tough situation. He gets paid for next year. Uh, his contract has one more year to run. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see he hires his coach. But I, I'm, I'm curious to see what his, what Greg Greer's overall plan is. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, I mean, there's speculation that David Quinn could be the new head coach because he was the uh, – Rangers coach who came from a uh, Boston University background, played there, coached yeah. there, and and of course Mike Greer was a former player at BU. So there's that speculation. Terriers. They were terriers. They, they were, were terriers. terriers. Speculation they is were there for that, game. but but I mean, like you said, what are they going to do as far as just the overall philosophy of the team? Because it, it just it does seem like a rebuilding type situation. You do have your Logan Couture's and your Brent Burns, but. Uh, you know, they're, they're not what they were. You know, they don't have Marlowe. They don't have Thornton. They don't have Pavelski, all those guys. So they're going to have to start building these young players, you would think. Well, and they've got some young prospects, and none, none that look as good as Couture and, and uh, Burns. Uh, or, uh, you know, but... Tomas Hurdle is another, thing, yeah. Tomas Hurdle, yeah, not as good as Hurdle. But um, the big thing is that, you know, those years that they were close to winning the Stanley Cup, and they made... Uh, trades there they traded away a lot of draft high draft picks so they're missed so they have a lot of guys over 32 and a lot of prospects including some that look pretty good uh, a kid named Thomas Bortolo came up from the University of Michigan after the the NCAA tournament last year and and they signed him right after that and uh, he played like the last I don't know eight games with the team and looked pretty good and he's you know he's an older guy because he played college hockey so they got some so, but every so they got a bunch of guys under twenty four, <laughs> under twenty three, and a bunch of guys over thirty two, and they they're missing that middle class <laughs> yeah, between yeah. age twenty four and thirty two because of all those years where they traded away those number one picks. Uh, Hurdle's the one guy that, uh, and and Timo Meyer, you know, yeah, Timo is Timo's great, yeah. <laughs> the two the two years they didn't trade away the picks, they picked some good players, but they, they really need to fill in that. Gap, and I don't know if they do that by trades or sign free agency, but they're up against the salary cap. Um, you know, again, those years where they went for it have put them in a in a tough spot. And uh, uh, their owner, the seventy eight years old German guy, <coughs> Hasso Plotner, one of the richest guys in the world, and he will spend up to the salary cap as much as he can. But will he buy out players to get to where they want to go? He has said he wants to win. He wants to get back to playoffs now. He does not want to rebuild. And, uh, you know, I think if you're a Sharks fan, that's probably what you want to hear. Uh, I 
I'm, you know, I'm not sure how you get that done. So Greer, Mike Greer better be smarter than even I think he is <laughs> to figure out a way, uh, yeah. you know, but I, 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 I'm sure they'll, they'll, you know, they'll, they'll try to, they'll try to maybe trade away or buy out some of those veterans and get younger, but you got to get younger with the right people. And, uh, uh, you know, I, the, I, I think, I think that there's a way they could get back to the playoffs fairly soon, but there's a difference between making the playoffs and being good enough to win the Stanley Cup, right? Yeah. You know, it'd be like, like in the NBA, um, you know, the who, who the Warriors play in the early rounds this year? Uh, Memphis, uh, Memphis and, yeah. and, 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 uh, um, you know, Denver, uh, the first like round, yeah. Denver, yeah, like Denver, like Denver. Okay, Denver's good enough to make the playoffs, but Denver's not good enough to win the NBA title, right? Right. And so, uh, I think, I think the Sharks would like to be the Denver Nuggets of of hockey as soon as possible, and then maybe think about a Stanley Cup and another. I don't know, five five years, four or five years down the line, um, but. Uh, it'd be it'll be okay to be the Denver Nuggets of hockey. <laughs> <laughs> well, about when the Sharks probably are, you know, a much better team is about when USC, my alma mater, and UCLA will be joining the Big Ten Conference in a couple of years. That that is just stunning to me that this is going to happen because uh, I just not, I didn't see it happening, and I guess some other people did. What do you think? Is this a smart move for SC and UCLA? Well, that that uh, rumbly noise you hear from Central Ohio is Woody Hayes rolling over in his grave. Um, yeah, you know the big, you know I'm a Big Ten guy, Joe. You know I went to school at Northwestern, so uh, welcome USC to November games in Evanston. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Where yeah, it's going to be snowy and all that. Uh, it's the way college is, college football in general is today. Um, it was strictly a money move. I mean, I, I. I I'm trying to, who who are they thinking of here? I mean, are they thinking of people like us who are alumni of the schools? Are they thinking of the athletes? Are they thinking, I, 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 it seems to me who they're thinking of here is the people who watch college football at Buffalo Wild Wings on Saturday afternoon and drink beer and (laughs) just kind of like seeing the games. Oh, there's an interesting matchup. There's an interesting matchup, you know? Um, And because that's where the money is, right? The TV stuff. Um, I don't know. Were, were USC alums banging down the door to get out of the Pac-12? I, I don't think they were. No. <laughs> I know the. I think I don't. I don't know any of my Northwestern alum friends who were who were thinking that'd eh, be a great thing if you know UCLA joined the Big Ten. <laughs> no. Uh, no. No. You know. I mean, I will say this academically, it's a fit, right? Right. Those are both really good academic schools, and the Big Ten prides itself on being the best. Um, uh, athletic conference in terms of having really good universities, um, but uh, you know I I don't, uh, and I guess I'm happy that my alma mater may come out and play in the Coliseum and then the Rose Bowl every other year or third year or whatever, but uh, I, I I just don't think it's good for college football in in general. Particularly here on the West Coast, yeah. um, 
I mean, I, I remember as a kid growing up in the Midwest, I just always thought the Pac-12 was a pretty cool conference, you know, going up and down the coast of these teams, and it was seemed kind of uh, exotic and glamorous to me in the Midwest. And it never occurred to me that we would have a situation where, I mean, I didn't like it when the Big Ten asked Maryland and Rutgers to join, right? And now your UCLA Bruins softball team is going to have to get on a plane and go to Piscataway to play. You know? <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Uh, you know, for, for if you're sitting at home on a Saturday afternoon watching TV, it'll probably be a lot of fun to see uh, USC go back and play Penn State or, or yeah. Ohio State. Uh, but for the, 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 uh, the athletes and the students and uh, the alumni – I don't know. Were you unhappy playing Oregon and Oregon State? No, and I think a lot of uh, USC and UCLA alums that are in the Bay Area are going to miss those two schools coming up to play Stanford and Cal. I mean, that, that's exactly. a big loss. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you are for sure, right? I mean, and uh, I, yeah, and and that, and we haven't even talked about what what does this mean for Cal and Stanford, right? Right. Um, I don't think they uh, know yet. <laughs> no, I don't think they know yet either. Uh, I'm. I don't want to say I was stunned because nothing surprises me in college well, And here's here's another uh, what little insight I have. Uh, so Joe, after uh, I retired, uh, it was very nice. Some pe- you know people called and asked me to help them out with different things, and sometimes would pay me. And uh, one of the uh, things I did was remember when the college football playoff national championship game was here in. Uh, Mm, was it 2019 January 2019 I think at Levi Stadium yeah at Levi Stadium Uh, so the run-up to that was in 2018 2018 season Uh, so that um, host committee for that game uh, was headquartered here in the South Bay really and uh, so they hired me to produce content for their website and uh, also do some other things too like I this was actually fun I got a go to the local high school in my neighborhood and ask, you know, the, I knew that, well, the, the bands needed somewhere to practice like the day before the game. So I went to the local band director here at Lincoln High School in San Jose and said, how'd you like the Alabama band to come practice on your field? <laughs> nice. <laughs> no. and he, went, he went, what? <laughs> you know? yeah. So I, I got to do that. That was fun. I got to help set that up. Um, but um, in, in doing that and in being involved with that, host committee and and working with with them in terms of producing the stuff for their website and kind of watching the machinery and i also did a little a very little work in terms of coordinating with the uh, city of san jose uh they had like a thing at the convention center and and uh like other stuff around town and um so one thing i learned was these these schools are really all out for themselves uh i'll give you one example um so uh, there were different events around town that the host committee wanted to do, and they wanted to have uh, helmets uh, to, from each athletic con- from each conference. To I'm talking about this is in the, in the run up to the championship game. Nobody knew who was playing in it until the last week or two, but uh, they wanted to have like a uh, you know a helmet with the Big Ten logo on it, and one with the SEC logo, and one with the Pac-12 logo. And, and so they could take them around to these events and have the helmet, you know, dress up the place, right, when they were doing these events. Yeah. So um, um, they asked these conferences to send these helmets, um, and they did. And then one conference, I won't say which conference it was, 
it was the SEC, uh, <laughs> sent, sent a bill and said, if you're going to use our logo oh my. on this helmet, you, 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 this is how much you owe us. Oh. And, and, of course, the people running the Coast Committee said, what? <laughs> right? We're doing this to promote an event that one of your teams is probably going to be involved with. And in fact, was Alabama played Clemson in that game. You know, wh- why are you asking us to pay you money to oh, do something man. to promote? You know, and uh, so well, this is just our policy. You know, and, um, and uh, I honestly don't know what happened. I don't think they did pay them, <laughs> and I don't think BSC. I, I don't know, but I do know that they sent a request for that. And then I remember doing stuff where I was trying to find out um, how much. Uh, how many uh, like Big Ten and how many Ohio State alums there were in the Bay Area, right? And uh, so I call back to the conference office and the Ohio State office, and uh, it's well, no, we're not sure we can tell you that information. Huh. <laughs> That's proprietary information, you know. Um, and uh, I said, what? I mean, this is again, we're trying to do something that's a good thing in terms of letting people know. This event, this game's happening, and that there are this many Big Ten alums here that might be interested if a Big Ten team gets involved, right? Um, but they were so everybody. It seemed to me everybody in college football is out for themselves, including within conferences, including conference versus conference. It's not like the NFL where you have a, a structure where the commissioner, yes, the owners do feud with each other. But when it comes to business, they are all on the same page together and, and marketing and moving ahead and everything. College football, not the same. And just look at the stuff with the name, image, likeness and how each school is kind of out for itself in terms of how they're, how they're doing it. And some schools like Oregon have, the, and I think USC, have a, like what's called a collective where they're raising money and you know, they're the vitamins. But, uh, Stanford, I don't think, is doing anything along that regard. My alma mater, Northwestern, I know, is putting together a class for athletes about how to leverage and take advantage of the name, image, likeness stuff, although they cannot help under the NCAA rules, which maybe nobody's following anyway, but <laughs> under NCAA rules... You're you're not the school is not supposed to help make the link of name image likeness between athlete and sponsor or whatever. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, long way of me saying every school is out for itself. Every conference is out for itself. Um, it's it's really a balkanized uh, you know college football in particular college sports in general is really a balkanized selfish environment and. Uh, Maybe it always, it always has been, and the money is now just, yes, it's all about the money, but the money is now just exacerbating a problem that's already been, already been there. But, um, you know, uh, here we are, and, uh, you know, I, I won't lie, it'll be it'll be fun to see UCLA uh, play at Michigan, right? Right. Uh, and, and Michigan to come out to play UCLA in the Rose Bowl or, or Iowa or Wisconsin, uh, but... Uh, I just, I don't see that. It reminds me of like when, <laughs> when you, you know, so you've been to Las Vegas, right? And, yeah. and you go, I remember, I remember when uh, I was covering a fight, I remember when the beast have big fights in Las Vegas, they'd send me to fight. And I, I, I checked it when the Mirage Hotel had just been built. They just had, they, they opened that with a big fight. I think it was Sugar Ray Leonard and Tommy Hearns maybe, or somebody. Anyway, I check into the hotel and the, I walk into the Mirage 
This is a mirage, right? Yeah, and they have, and behind the registration desk, they have a big uh, aquarium, huge aquarium with sharks swimming in it. And <laughs> I'm going like, "Wow, that's wild!" But you know, like who, you know, when you when you stay at a hotel and they ask you to fill up that card or or, or now online, you know, what can we do to improve our hotel? Like, who puts down? You know, <laughs> your hotel's really good, but your hotel's really good. But if you only had an aquarium with sharks behind the registration desk, that would be the one thing that would put it over <laughs> to make sure I stay there, right? Uh, you know, no, nobody does that. It's like it's like my, when I pet peeves at, at Major League ballparks, so they play that loud music between innings where, you know, it used to be, I remember fond memories going to my dad to a game in between innings. You'd talk about the strategy and what you just saw and everything. Now you can't even hear, you know, the conversation next to no. you. That's that's a tangent, but again, who 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 decided that when they filled out the card? Like, you know, it'd be great if I went to a major league game and I couldn't hear my dad when he sits next to me. You know, I I I don't get it. So again, who filled out the card that said, you know, the Big Ten's pretty good, but and if we had UCL and UC, UC that would be that be really something. And likewise with the Pac-12, right? Um, I I I guess I don't get it, but will I watch the games? Yeah, and you probably will too, right? Oh yeah. Are you gonna? Are you gonna? So are you gonna make? You gonna? Are you gonna make? You gonna make a road trip to West Lafayette? <laughs> probably not. <laughs> but you and I will have a vested interest when USC plays Northwestern. So at least we have that going for us. Exactly that, and you know, in West Lafayette, you know, with Purdue, you know, the connection between Purdue and UCLA, right? Well, there was a great coach at UCLA, John Wooden, John Wooden. right? <laughs> and he was an All American at Purdue, right? Before he and, went to UCLA, and, right? Exactly, and I think they have statues of them at both places. <laughs> so there are some, there are some connections, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, but is college football better for this? I don't think so. I don't think so either. But and the last thing I wanted to ask you about, Mark, was uh, your experience at the College World Series. That was the first time that yeah. you went there. I saw that you were, uh, you know, putting out a note about that on Facebook. So yeah, I mean, I've yeah, been no, there a bunch of times. It's it's an awesome experience, isn't it? It's really fun. I, yeah, thank you for being my Facebook friend, Joel. I appreciate it, <laughs> uh, and all my and all my Facebook friends. That it labels me to stay in touch with so many people. I'm I'm not. Facebook has a lot of downside, but there are some good sites to it too. Well, I had actually been to the college football series once. Excuse me, college baseball World Series once in 1995. I was on my way back from somewhere, and the bosses said Stanford's in the College World Series. When you stop in Omaha and cover it and i went sure you know and i went there and i thought this is really fun i'd love to come back here sometimes a fan um and so uh my friend a good friend from cincinnati uh, uh bob salmon who none of, none of you know but long time friends and we just always said well let's go we were going to go in 2020 and we all know what happened in 2020 and 2021 so well this year we'll go and uh i recommend it highly to any baseball fan or any college sports fan uh, it's the biggest thing in Omaha all year. Uh, the town goes all out for it. It's a lot of fun. And with eight teams involved, that means you have fans from eight different schools all walking around town. Um, it's a college crowd. It's not, uh, you know, drunk people like the Super Bowl and some of the other events you and I've been to. Uh, it's uh, not, you know, people drink beer, but they're not, <laughs> they're, 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 it's, it's a college crowd, you know, college right. students, a little college tamer. alums. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, in most cases, Tamer, but also just just that mentality where you're, you know, we're not we're not here to get drunk and tell the other guys that they suck, right? I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, now now the you know uh, the Ole Miss 
the Ole Miss, uh, well, actually, the, the Texas played Texas A&M there, and that got a little, that got a little interesting. But again, there weren't there weren't any fights, there were no fights or anything. And also, you know, in in college baseball, there's there's actually more action with the uh, stolen bases, hit and run. You know, the, the the great high school pitchers end up usually signing pro contracts, so the the hitting is more. Uh, hitting is better than the pitching in in college baseball in general, so you get more action on the bases. Um, that creates more interesting games to me, and uh, and then you have these guys. A lot of these guys will be drafted, but a lot of them won't. And so for them, this is the biggest thing in their in their baseball lives. And so the emotion, the passion is great, especially when you get to those elimination games. It's eight teams, it's double elimination, goes all week. I was there for five days, or excuse me, four days, saw five games. And uh, every one of them was fun. And, uh, you know, getting to know alums of each school, the traditions of each school. Um, it, it's just, I don't know. In Omaha, you know, it's not a bad town. Oh, You've it's great. Yeah, I've been there a bunch of times. You know, they, got, really cool. they, got like, they got like, you know, I think they have like triple-figure steakhouses downtown. And it's had a lot of tradition there. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, I don't think there's anything else quite like that in college sports, old pro sports, you know, eight teams like that coming together, all, all playing this. And, uh, it was, uh, you know, I, I don't know if I'll go back, but I'm glad, I'm glad I went and had that experience. And I, I recommend it hard for me to believe you won't have a, cause, cause they, they, t- have you been back there since the new stadium? I have you once. Have, right? Yeah. And it's really nice. It, yeah. They got the new stadium is nice, but it's also the, the, the area around it. They turn into like a baseball village. It, it's, uh, it's cool. It's, yeah. uh, <laughs> it is, it is cool. And you are going to, and if this is your, interest, you are going to see future major leaguers there. Right. And so, yeah. uh, it's, uh, you know, Ole, Ole Miss was a great story that won it. They, they were the last team into the tournament. They had a losing record in the regular season in SEC. And yet they they won and uh, and they yet they won the whole thing and uh, you know the, the the Ole Miss fans were this was a great experience I, and so between games one day my friend and I would go across the street to have a pizza and there are a bunch of Ole Miss fans there and one of the one of the is the dad of one of the players and I struck up a conversation and they got and he's there with his son is not there because he's with the team but uh, you know these young co-eds comely co-eds lovely co-eds are there with him and uh uh you know his wife and everything and i said so who who are these young girls he goes well he goes i he says i think one of them is my son's girlfriend but maybe all of them are i'm not sure <laughs> they somehow <laughs> make it work i said well good that's good you know and uh and uh and I, then I got to see his son pitch the next day, so that was fun. That's that was fun. Very nice. I'm glad you had yeah, fun. Well, it's a, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. And I hope, uh, yeah, I hope you get to go back sometime. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, Mark, thanks a lot for the time. I really appreciate it. I'll uh, we'll have to check in on you every once in a while, but uh, appreciate all of your opinions and uh, a lot of knowledge there about the the A's and the Sharks and the Big Ten and all that. I appreciate it. That's right. Well. Uh, I'm happy anybody still cares what I have to say. And uh, thanks again to all the readers over the years who spent five minutes with me uh, with my column. I, I tried to never underestimate that, and uh, it's it makes me it makes me really happy to hear somebody say you know they enjoyed something I wrote many years ago that I forgot I wrote. You know, it's it, it, it's really uh, makes me feel I didn't screw up in my job here. And I'm happy you're still carrying the flag 
for uh, responsible broadcast journalism, Joe. And, uh, you know, keep fighting the good fight. That's former San Jose Mercury News columnist Mark Purdy. Join us again next week for another edition of the Sports Virus Podcast. For now, I'm Joe Castellano. Thanks for listening on the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.